It's great to be with you uh, again, Freedom Church. Um, I love uh, the few times when I've been able to connect with you like this. And um, just want to bring you greetings again from the, the wider New Ground family of churches. Uh, we love you. We pray for you. We support you in every way, any way we can. And uh, just trusting that um, God will continue to bless you and grow you and uh, that you'll see the favour of God upon you as a church community, both now and in the future. Uh, these indeed are still strange times, aren't they? Here we are a year and how many months still under the shadow of COVID and still having to live with some of those boundaries. It's good news, isn't it, that things are changing and it looks like we are moving slowly towards possibilities of gathering in homes or maybe even gathering in person a little bit more indoors, which is all kind of going in the right direction. So that's, that's great news. I somehow feel as if I've said all this before in another context and it didn't quite work out, but we're really praying this time that this movement will keep on going forward until we've got all the freedom that we need to express church and reach out to our community. Can I just say this, uh, just before I get into what I feel to preach for you this morning, that when we do start coming back together, I think we need a season to kind of rebuild and restore and refresh. I don't exactly know what that looks like, but I think many of us are coming out of this uh, whole time feeling a bit tired and exhausted, a bit battered, a bit wounded. Um, I think a, a number of us just feel we need to kind of realign ourselves with God and we just need to be refreshed. And, uh, you know, the most obvious way that that's going to happen is by inviting the Holy Spirit to come upon us, both individually and corporately. And I know I'm sharing this with a lot of churches that when we do start to kind of get back to some sense of moving forward, that we do uh, not rush into lots of things, but we regather to be restored and to be healed and to be set free from uh, issues and things that have affected us. And the Bible makes it very clear that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he is the one who does all of those things. And that's not an end in itself, because for God's people to be refreshed by the Spirit, it just equips us so that we can be empowered to go on mission to reach those around us who do not yet know Jesus. Right now, I think a lot of us feel we're not ready to kind of do that. But when the Spirit comes upon us, he will empower us so that we can go again and, and reach this great city of Liverpool. So I, I just want to uh, encourage you to be open to God and to wait, to not rush into uh, doing lots of things sometimes, but just have a season uh, where we receive afresh uh, from God. I want to share with you something that um, has really lived with me uh, recently and partly as a result of this COVID pandemic that we've been going through. I found quite a lot of this experience quite intimidating. Maybe you have found uh, certain aspects of this whole year uh, a kind of an intimidation upon you um, as a person. I think the stats that you hear about COVID, not only here in the UK, but still we're hearing across the world, are just a bit overwhelming. And you kind of get intimidated by this, the length of this season, the size of it. 
Um, sometimes I've found myself uh, intimidated by the circumstances and the restrictions that I've found myself in. It's a bit intimidating, isn't it, not knowing what's going to happen next and what <clears throat> the future might be. Learning to live in a world where there's more that you don't know than you actually do know. Even for us as churches, not being able to gather together, I, I found uh, as a leader, it's all been quite intimidating. How do we do church? How, how do we live through times like this? And lots of those questions have been answered, but it's, it's been quite kind of an intimidating experience. It's left many kind of a bit distressed by what we have gone through. One thing I have learned is giving into intimidation is not good. It always results in something that's quite negative. I think of Jesus, who we often remind ourselves was tempted in all ways as we are, yet not without sin, which kind of means everything we face, he faced the temptation of that. So that means that Jesus also faced intimidation, but he didn't ever give in to that intimidation. So the title of this preach this morning is Overcoming Intimidation. And Jesus was potentially intimidated on a daily basis, but he never ever gave into that intimidation. And nor should we. So if you have your Bibles with you, I just want to take you on a bit of a journey. And I hope that this will really resonate with uh, many of us as something to learn as a result of going through this potential time of intimidation. And I'd love for you to turn to the Gospel of, of Mark. And when you get there, chapters one to three are really a great success story. People are being healed. Jesus' teaching is amazing people. Crowds are beginning to come together. The disciples are really excited because it's, it's just one win after another and great success. But then you get to Mark chapter four and the narrative begins to change. And in chapter four and into chapter five, we see four accounts and they're all accounts of potential intimidation. In other words, Jesus is having great success. And then it's like this massive opposition comes against him, whereby he could be tempted to give in, to stop him actually from his ministry. The first is the story of the storm. It's a well-known story, isn't it? The great storm on the lake and Jesus is asleep in the boat and this great storm comes to intimidate not only the, the, the sailors, the fishermen, but also Jesus himself to prevent him from going to the other side of the lake. And then when we finally get there, the next account is about the demoniac, this man who comes running down the hill towards them to intimidate them with all the powers of darkness. And then we see the story of the woman who touched him and was wonderfully healed. But it's a story of intimidation, as we see in a moment. Can Jesus really heal this person? And then from there, we go to the story of Jairus's daughter, who has died. And the whole intimidation of death itself is confronting Jesus. So there's a lot of scripture there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at each of these stories very quickly and just pull out the particular references to intimidation. So first of all, in Mark chapter 4, and, and we read there in verse uh, 37, this account of, of the storm. And we'll just, um, we'll, we'll just pick it up in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, 
and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea should obey him? I love this story because it's like Jesus is being intimidated by the very thing that he created. He is the Lord of creation, but there's an intimidation. The, 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 the sailors were just overwhelmed. The disciples were so terrified. Jesus is asleep in the boat. But when he wakes and sees this potential intimidation, he speaks to it and he doesn't give in to it. He overcomes it. The next passage then is when he is confronted by the, what we call the, the, the gathering demoniac. Let's look at it in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, nor even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always carrying out, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, Why have, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God to do not tempt, torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And what I want to, to really grasp through this passage is the enormity of what Jesus is now being confronted with. He has been confronted with the storm, intimidated by it, and now he's intimidated. He's intimidated by a person that no one can do anything with. They try to bind him and he can't even, uh, they can't even do that. And he breaks free. I mean, it's a horrendous story. And when Jesus says, who are you? He says, we are legion. In other words, this is the greatest intimidation that you could face. This is not a man with a, a minor health, mental health issue. This is not a man with a psychiatric problem. This is a man who's possessed by legions of demonic activity. And Jesus is not intimidated. He overcomes that intimidation and he speaks with authority and the man is wonderfully delivered and is set free. Now, if you know the story that goes on in Mark, you'll know that Jesus was then approached by some people from Jairus, who was a kind of ruler, religious leader. And he actually comes to say, please, can you heal my daughter? She's very, very sick. And Jesus is on his way to do that. But while he's on his way to do that, a woman in the crowd touches the hem of his garment and is wonderfully healed. So let's just read a few verses. Again, I'm looking particularly at the whole issue of intimidation. Verse 24 of Mark 5. And a great crowd followed him and thronged around him, about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 
and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. And the intimidation here, of course, is this isn't a person with a common cold. Everything that could possibly be done to heal this person has failed. And I find it interesting that Luke, who is a doctor who's writing this, goes into great detail of all the money she's spent and all the physicians that have tried to heal her, and nothing has been able to bring that healing. Verse 27, she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Sickness can be very intimidating, but Jesus has the power to not give in to that intimidation and to overcome the problem and the woman is healed. By the time he gets to Jairus's house, the child is no longer sick. She's actually died because there's been a delay of Jesus getting there. And uh, verse 35 of Mark uh, 5 says this, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some uh, who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. But, and, and they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in and where, where the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was about 12 years old and they were immediately overcome with amazement. I want you to picture the sense of intimidation that Jesus faces. Incidentally, when he says she's not dead, uh, she's only sleeping, it doesn't mean that Jesus thought she wasn't dead, but sleeping and death to Jesus are the same thing in terms of his power to overcome it. The other gospels uh, record this and clearly it's stated that this girl was properly dead. See the intimidation, people wailing, weeping, professional mourners making a noise. This was about death. And then when he said the things to them, you know, in other words, I'm going to raise it, they just laughed. The sense of intimidation that Jesus is facing is pretty awesome at this time. He throws people out, he goes in, he commands this child to be raised, and she is. He's overcome the storm, he's overcome demonic strongholds, he's overcome sickness, and now he's even overcome the intimidation of death itself. He felt intimidated, Jesus, but he did not give in. He was tempted by the devil. We know that. The gospel tells us that. He was tempted by religious leaders. You know, sometimes Jesus would be teaching the crowd, and on the back row, there would be a whole load of people sitting there with their arms folded. Sometimes I preach, and I see a back row of people sitting there with their arms folded. But these guys were folded like they were just intimidating Jesus. You think you're the son of God? Come on then. Who do you think you are? Huge intimidation. 
Jesus was intimidated even by his disciples and his friends. At one point, he rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. He was intimidated by the lack of spirituality and faith of his own disciples sometimes. Of course, he was even intimidated by the prospect of the cross. Father, if there's any way that this can be passed from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. Moments of potential intimidation that Jesus did not give into. He comes through. And sometimes the intimidation was really, really subtle. So I just want you to go back to Mark and just look at chapter three with me. And this little phrase in verse 31 of Mark 3, and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him to Jesus. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about him at those who sat, sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I find this passage such an insightful uh, uh, message to us. There's so much going on here. So Jesus is teaching the crowds, his family rock up. They're very concerned about him because they think he's gone a bit weird. And they don't come in, they send someone else in on their behalf. Now that is emotional blackmail. Jesus is a good boy, he always does what his mother says, so he's gonna leave this and he's gonna go outside and he doesn't move. So this person's come in and he's watching, says your mum and dad are outside or your, your family's outside, come on, you need to go there. And he just carries on and then he makes his statement, which is that here are my mother and brothers who are following me. In other words, he knows, this is intimidation to stop him from putting the kingdom of God first and obeying his family rather than his heavenly father. I just can't imagine what it was like outside when mother and the family is standing there and nothing happens and then the person they sent in comes out and says to him, I've got some bad news for you. You thought you were his mother and you thought you were brothers and sisters. He's just told them in there that that's what they are. I mean, the offense was huge, but it was Jesus not giving into intimidation and trusting God that his family would come through eventually, which they did. He wasn't going to compromise on this issue of giving in even to emotional blackmail intimidation. How did Jesus overcome intimidation? I think the answer is through four ways. Number one, Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was. Number two, he knew that his enemy and the opposition coming against him was already defeated. Number three, he knew his heavenly father was with him. And number four, he knew the power of the word of God. And you put those four things together and you realize Jesus had authority over every potential intimidation that came into his life. I think of other accounts in the Old Testament. Remember Israel facing going into the promised land and then they kind of heard the bad reports of the spies and they gave in actually to intimidation. They had stories of giants and great walls of cities going up to heaven and they were intimidated. And unlike Jesus, they forgot who they were, the people of God, and, and they forgot who their enemy was. In fact, the enemy they were facing was trembling at the thought of the people of God even coming. <clears throat> they had forgotten that God was with them and they'd forgotten the promises of God, which was, I will give you this land. And so consequently, they gave into intimidation. 
So I believe we should apply the same four principles that Jesus applied to himself and Israel should have applied to themselves, to us as well today. And I think even COVID has been an opportunity for us to to see this tested and to come out the other side. I believe we need to remind ourselves, firstly, of who we are in Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. In other words, the one who overcame every intimidation is now living in you. When his power and his authority is in you as a child of God, you don't need to give in to intimidation of any kind. Secondly, we do need to be reminded of who our enemy is. It's a lie to believe that we need or we shall be giving in to intimidation. You're an overcomer. You're a more than conqueror in Christ. Your enemy has already been defeated. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. And thirdly, we do need to know that God is with us. Fear not, says the Lord, for I am with you. The well-known saying, one man with the God of the universe is always a majority. Learning to depend upon the Holy Spirit on a daily basis will cause us to be those who move into intimidation, not on our own, but with the very presence and power of God. And then finally, we need to remind ourselves to live by the word of God. It's interesting to me that Jesus spoke to all of these situations of intimidation with the word of God. When the devil tempted him, he said, it is also written. He knew the power of God because he knew the word of God. And for us as Christians, we need to know God's word so that when we're intimidated, we can speak the word of God to those situations and command them to go. We will never overcome temptation through self-effort. We will never overcome intimidation through self-effort either, nor will we overcome intimidation through our own resources. We cannot do it in our own strength. We can't even do it by relying on others. I love being in the family of God. I get encouraged. I get strengthened by other people. But they cannot overcome intimidation kind of on my behalf. It's something that I need to learn to do uh, for myself. So as we land this word today, I know it's a simple word, but I believe it's a powerful word. And as we begin to land it, I want to apply it right now to many of us listening to this and our own individual situations. First of all, are you someone who is intimidated by your circumstances? Maybe by COVID, things go on and on and nothing seems to change. Like the disciples in the boat, it feels to some of you listening to this, you're in a constant storm. I want you to know that Jesus is with you in the midst of this storm. I want you to know that Jesus is in control of your circumstances. And I want you to know that changing your circumstances is not the way you overcome intimidation, but learning how to overcome in the midst of your circumstances. Just a little aside, Peter was in that boat and he was offended that Jesus was asleep. Don't you care that we're about to go down? And then we see in the book of Acts, years later, that that Peter is in prison and he's about to have have his head chopped off the next day. He doesn't know he's going to be miraculously released. And it says of him, he was asleep between the two guards. Find that fascinating. 
Peter must have learned something from that day on the boat. And now he's learned not to be overcome by the intimidation that's going on around him. So don't wait for your circumstances to change. You can learn to overcome in the midst of it all. And then what about people? I don't know about you, but I think I'm often intimidated by other people. What they think about me. Will I be able to please them? It's one of the big things, the fear of what people think can be hugely intimidating on our lives. I think we're living in a generation with all of its social media that are potentially constantly intimidated by by visions and by media presentation all the time. Are you lining up? Are you as good as? And so we're intimidated by people all around us, by our performance and how we come across to people. Do you know there's no need for any question to give in to that intimidation? We live before an audience of one. Fear God rather than men because he is the one who really matters and what he thinks of you. I mentioned this before, but I do think this is relevant to some of us. Sometimes we're intimidated by our own family members. I've watched Christians over the years make decisions and choices out of fear of what their family thinks. Sometimes family members can control us. Sometimes we can be manipulated emotionally, just as they were trying to do to Jesus himself on that occasion in the book of Mark. Are you giving in to the intimidation of what other family members feel that can be very spiritually damaging and overwhelming. Maybe you're somebody today who is fearful of the future and wondering what's going to happen and you're lacking security. Maybe during COVID you've you've lost the sense of what you're full of anxiety. Can I encourage you, we haven't got time now, just to read through Matthew 6, 25 to to 34. And I love verse 34 from the NIV version. It just says this. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What amazing wisdom that is for 21st century people. Don't worry about tomorrow. Live one day at a time. Don't be intimidated by the future. Or maybe you're intimidated by illness or the thought of illness, or maybe even death itself. Or maybe you're just intimidated because you're just perplexed and there's so much that's overwhelming at the moment. So many things that you don't know. And even, we've spoken mostly to individuals today, but even you as a church, Freedom Church, you are going to face moments of potential intimidation as a church community. Who do you think you people are? Who do you think you are to come here and say these things? We need to remind ourselves, even the gates of hell cannot prevent prevail against the the church that Jesus is building. I'd love to pray. Father, we want to thank you today for your word, and we want to thank you for the relevance of your word into our lives right now here in Liverpool, 2021, all we've been through this last year. And I want to pray in the name of Jesus for anybody watching or listening to this today that's facing intimidation of any kind in their lives. We are so encouraged as we read in Scripture. Jesus also was tempted to give in to intimidation, but never ever once did. I love that. It's not that he can't identify with us. It's just that he overcame. And so I pray. I pray for all of us to understand who we are, to understand who our enemy is, to understand that you are with us 
and to know the word of God and just like Jesus to overcome every potential intimidation in our lives. I pray for everybody now knowing that there are areas of intimidation. In the coming weeks, may we find through you that we're able to overcome for your glory. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful people of Freedom Church, it's been great to be with you today. I can't wait to be back with you in person and praying that that will be sooner than any of us think. But God bless you in the meantime. Amen.